Broadcasting live from the Raiders practice facility at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. This is the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. The demand is excellence that we would hold that trophy up, period. And to do that, we have to every day do the hard work and grind and push effort you know like it's not just 10 yards effort you see our receivers i mean you guys see them like now you're seeing guys catch the ball and dudes on the backside finish with them you know and like you're like yes like that that's championship level effort and it's not just from the receivers i watched hankins the other day i handed a ball off i turned around and hankins stopped put his foot in the ground and beat two guys to the football yeah, that's the biggest man on our team, you know. And I told him, I said, that right there is going to win us a Super Bowl, you know. And I think it's that day-to-day grind that gets us to that end goal of what he expects. That is Raider quarterback Derek Carr. Uh, and he's talking about what I think a lot of us that are watching practice on a daily basis, um, you know, pick up on. And that's the effort. That's the intensity. That's the focus. Um, and the, a, a, a higher level of talent, you know, all I could do is report what I'm seeing. Right. Um, and you know, when you hear Derek Carr talk about it as well, you understand, well, Hey, maybe what I'm seeing is actually correct. And, and just to like, um, you know, put it in perspective of you, you write what you see, um, you report what you believe to be the, the, the case, uh, I always tell the story in 2016 when the Rams came back to Los Angeles and I was a reporter in Los Angeles and I covered uh, the Rams at the time for the Los Angeles Daily News. And I remember, you know, watching – it was their first year uh, in L.A. Jeff Fisher was the head coach. And everybody was all pumped up and excited that the Rams were back in town where they belonged. They had been there for nearly 50 years before they, you know uh, – went off the rails and went to St. Louis for uh, 20 years or so. Uh, they come back home, and everybody's excited about it. Um, and I'm at training camp, and, and just to put it in a little bit perspective, uh, for the for the for all those years that the Raiders or that the Rams weren't in Los Angeles, really the only access that I had to an NFL team was going out to Oxnard, uh, where the Cowboys would have their training camp. So typically I'd go out there for a few days or wherever, longer sometimes, uh, to do some stories about, you know, the, the Dallas Cowboys. That was the closest we got uh, to the NFL. And um, so you, you, you at least have a reference point for what it's supposed to look like. I know the Cowboys haven't won championships for a while, but they've put together some pretty darn good teams. And there's talent on the Cowboys. There was, there's always been flair. There's always been talent. There's always been, you know, uh, some, like high-level players, right? So you kind of know what it looks like uh, in, in that regard. Well, here come the Rams, 2016, and uh, it, maybe a couple of days into training camp. You know, Todd Gurley was – the way they were utilizing him in training camp, um, he basically wasn't doing anything. So take him out of the equation. Jared Goff uh, was a rookie quarterback uh, playing behind Case Keenum. Uh, then you started looking at the offensive talent, and you're like – and then you're who? What? There's not. There's no pizzazz. There was no. There was nobody that forced you to look at him and 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 understand. Wow, that's some talent, right? Like it was. It was a boring team that didn't have much talent. Number one, uh, on the defensive side of the ball, for sure, Aaron Donald looked the part. Uh, Michael Brockers uh, was a good player. Um, you know, uh, Alec Ogletree. 
was 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 a good uh, linebacker. The secondary was just okay. It wasn't you know it wasn't great. So I remember thinking this doesn't really look good right now. Like and that's what we would report. That's what we would talk about. This is I don't know about this. And by the way, Jeff Fisher for all his accolades. Ah, wasn't feeling Jeff Fisher uh, as well. And here's a guy that was grew up in Southern California, went to Taft High School, was a star at USC. There were, if there was anyone that you'd want to embrace as a reporter in terms of what a great story, the home kid coming back, uh, here's this guy that took the Tennessee Titans to the Super Bowl, uh, kind of looking forward to what he was all about, and wasn't all that impressed, to be honest with you. So, um, so I saw a team that I just didn't – I wasn't feeling that team. And sure enough, you know, they struggled to go 4-12. and 12. And in Los Angeles, people were like, we waited 20 years for this. Send this thing back to St. Louis. And at that time, it looked like it was years away. Like, how long before the Rams are ever going to be good? Well, they fired, you know, uh, Jeff Fisher. They bring in this, this young coach uh, by the name of Sean McVay who, you know, was just an instant hit. You felt like, okay, this is completely different than Jeff Fisher. There's something here with Sean McVay, right? And uh, make some changes uh, along the offensive line. They bring in a guy like Andrew Whitworth. They bring in Robert Woods as a wide receiver. Uh, they make some changes. Everything, you know, they, they were, uh, it was a really good draft that they had. You saw that. Cooper Cup was on the field, and you're like, okay, this guy is a, is a ball player right here. All of a sudden, what wasn't going on last year, as early as OTAs the following year, you're going, this looks really different right now. This looks different than it was last year. This looks like this could be something here. This young coach, Jared Goff, looked way better. Uh, all of a sudden, some of these younger players were getting better, and the new additions looked good. And what happens? That, that year they go 10-6, and, six and they, or 11-5, and five, I think it was, and they make the playoffs. The next year after that, they're in the Super Bowl. So I'm just saying that going from 2016 when we're writing, this is, this is a joke here. This is like we waited this long for football? Send that thing back to St. Louis. When's, let's see some real football. It was that bad. But as early as the very next year with the right leadership, with some right new additions, with some younger players uh, that, that were starting to emerge, you saw the difference and you felt it. And so I'm saying going back to 2019 to the end or the, yeah, the end of the 2019 season, all right, when I came aboard covering the Raiders for the Las Vegas Review Journal. I think they were six and four or six and five. I come on board, maybe I was the bad luck charm, but I go to cover them against the New York Jets in it was cold in, in New York and, and the Jets just waylaid them. And I'm just sitting there going, holy cow. This is not good. Like there were it was kind of embarrassing, especially on defense. They were just getting shredded. It was it was and the offense Really wasn't that much better uh, either, either. And they struggled down the stretch. They were getting the door, their doors blown off uh, at times. There was, it was just, they just didn't have what, you know, you, you could tell. This was a ways away from happening. Last year, training camp, felt like, okay, there's, there's, there's some nice, some, it's, it's changing. It's changing. Obviously, you know, it's the Kansas City Chiefs division. Uh, if things could break right, maybe if the offense gets better, um, you know, uh, they could put themselves in a position to, to make a move. Uh, the defense looks okay. There's some, some new faces over there. Uh, it looks like they might be uh, getting better, moving in the right. They brought in Corey Littleton. 
Uh, they, they had a, a, a decent draft, what looked to be a decent draft. Jonathan Abram was coming back. Uh, but offensively, it was look. You're like, okay, there's 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 something here. Uh, you know, offensively, it looks a little bit different. It looks pretty good, and 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 they played well offensively. Obviously, they went from averaging 19 points a game to close to 27 points a game. Unfortunately, they couldn't get it together on the defense. But you saw some players that you know maybe with the right coaching, maybe with some more development, maybe with a regular offseason under their belt, there was talent there. On defense, it just needed to be coached up a little bit better. It just needed to grow and mature a little bit more. And so you get to this year in training camp in 2021, and it looks better again. And I'm just, that's all I can report. That's all I can say. Uh, I, I'm, I'm giving you the observations of what I'm seeing and uh, a great work ethic, a lot of. Um, you know, intensity. You can feel the presence of a Gus Bradley and a Ron Milas. By the way, I love watching Ron Milas out on the football field. That is a dude who, um, you know, he's one of those guys. You ever, if you went to a high school with a no nonsense principal that was cool and smart and you liked him, you actually liked him a lot, but you were a little bit fearful of him also. You know what I'm saying? Like, you didn't want to get in trouble and have to go to his office. If you did your thing, if you were, you know, getting to class on time, if you were keeping your nose clean, if you were uh, being a good student and working hard, the best friend you're ever going to have, the best counselor you're ever going to have, the best teacher you're going to have, the best authoritative figure you're going to have, and he's going to be for you, and he's going to, you know, you're going to love him, he's going to love you, everything is going to be great. But there was a part of that guy that you were a little bit like, man, I don't want to cross him because I'm going to end up going into his office and he's probably going to read me the riot ad. He just is, and he was that guy that you didn't want to disappoint, right? You, were, you didn't want to disappoint. You didn't want to cross. You didn't want to be in, in, in some trouble and have to go to his office and him looking at you like, wow, you really disappointed me. Like, what's, what's the deal here? You know, and, and, and that's when you look at Ron Milas uh, and how he coaches players up, and I'm telling you right now, he will call you out. He's a great teacher. You can tell that. Uh, a great communicator. You can tell that. But he has a standard, and he demands that you play up to that standard. And if you don't, he's got, he's got that look, that aura, that demeanor about him, like that's the last guy you want to mess around with. That's the last guy you want to disappoint. That's the last guy you want to make two straight mistakes of the same mistake and have him breathing down your neck and looking at you like, um, did we just not talk about that? Did I just not tell you what to do? And yet you made the same exact mistake again. He's kind of got that presence. So I love watching Ron Milas out on the football field just to see him operate. And it's, again, he's one of those dudes that you're like, all right, he's, he's, this guy knows what he's doing. This guy has a lot of passion. This guy uh, is, is optimistic. He's, he's got a great personality. But, but when he's walking around the football field and looking around, you better be doing what you're supposed to be doing. I'm just saying because he's got that side of him. That obvious aura about him, like, don't try to cut a corner. Don't half you know what it on a rep. Don't be somewhere where you're not supposed to be. Don't blow an assignment. 
Don't take the wrong angle. He's going to give you, you know, he'll coach you up. He's going to give you an opportunity. Of course, guys make mistakes. It's not like, you know, it's a zero policy. You know, uh, you can't ever make a mistake. Obviously, that's going to happen. But it's make sure you correct that mistake. Make sure that mistake doesn't happen again. If you're going to make a mistake, that's okay. Don't make the same mistake twice. And he's got that look about him. And I, I honestly, I think that that is going to it's, – it's, 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 it's something worth watching with that secondary. I, I, there's talent there. Uh, watching them uh, operate uh, last couple of days in practice, and I brought this up with Derek Carr, uh, as far as there were a couple of times or I'd say a good four or five reps in 11-on-11 where Derek Carr went through his progressions and nobody was open and he tucks it away and runs it, okay? So afterwards, I said, Derek, you know, um, I'm watching you at practice. There's about been about four or five reps out there today where watching you go through your reps and then eventually you put it away and you run with it. Was that by design? Because sometimes you practice that. Sometimes... Um, you know, this is what we're doing right now. You're going to go through your progressions. It's not going to be there. We need to coach you up on putting it away and running it. At some point, got to get something out of this play. So understand the timing mechanism. You've gone through your progressions. Tuck it away and run it. That's what the practice rep was supposed to be about. Um, so I asked him, was that the, the intent? Was that, you know, the, by design? Or was it just that... <laughs> The darn thing was covered up by a defense that seems to be improving. He's like, no, man, it was covered up. And that's a good thing. It's frustrating for the offense. It's frustrating for the offense because that's not, you know, you want you want it to be open. You want the play to unfold the way it's drawn up. But sometimes you got to tip the cap to the defense. And in this case, the other defense is your defense. So it's a good thing as well, as frustrating as it might be. Uh, for Derek Carr and the offense, it's a win for the defense, which is a win for the team. And there's been plenty of times where that's happened. And Derek Carr's like, that's why I'm kind of sitting here going, I don't want to get too excited, but I'm kind of getting excited about what I'm seeing over uh, on, uh, on that defense. Uh, and it kind of reminds me of going back to that whole story about the Rams and uh, Sean McVay, that first season that Sean McVay is the head coach. Now, Sean McVay is an offensive guy, right? So um, he was the offensive coordinator with the Washington Football Club. He comes over to Los Angeles. You know, he was, he was a hot shot young offensive assistant, so offense was his thing. He goes and hires Wade Phillips as a defensive coordinator says, look, I got enough on my plate just getting this offense in order because, by the way, the offense was horrible the year before under Jeff Fisher, and let's not even get into that. That was bad, bad, bad. Uh, but So they bring in Sean McVay, Jared Goff's getting ready to you know take off, and he needs to focus on the offense. He's there to get Jared Goff to a level, get that offense to a level where it's not embarrassing and it can be an asset, kind of like what's going on with the Raiders defense. Uh, and so it's, it's literally the first practice of the first training camp, all right? And... The, the They go to 11-on-11, we're out at UC Irvine, and it's first-team offense against first-team defense. And every time I'd say first-team defense for the Rams, got to understand there's a guy by the name of number 99, or not name, uh, there's a guy wearing number 99 on the other side. A guy by the name of Aaron Donald, and he has a way of blowing things up, right? Even against his own team. So anyway, uh, 
hotshot offensive assistant coach, uh, now head coach Sean McVay, and it's 11 on 11, and it was a good, I'd say about a good 15, 20 play uh, rep, and and no doubt about it, the defense got the best of the offense. It was clear as day. The offense was struggling. The defense was making plays. There was a pick. Uh, it just looked sloppy on offense, and the defense was playing great. So we're interviewing Sean McVay after practice. He would always talk to the media after practice. We're gathered around him, and I'm wa- and Sean McVay is one of the coolest dudes that you're ever going to meet, just saying that. Like, he's a personable, fun, energetic, positive guy. Uh, but, you know, there are times where you can see that he's pissed off, right? And this was the first time <laughs> that I can sense that Sean McVay was, you know, uh, upset. And, like, like he was getting red on the neck. That's usually uh, the telltale with Sean McVay. And he's getting, like, you could tell he's, you know, answering the questions, kind of like, you know, being a little bit short with the answers, which he's never short with the answers. Um, he's not happy. There was something going on. Like, and I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute. He's not really pissed that pissed off that the defense got the best of the offense uh, today, is he? I'm like, that's what I'm starting to think because why else would he be mad? Like, he was genuinely mad. He wasn't going to say, say why or anything like that, but he was mad. He was fired up. And I'm thinking, no way. That why would – I mean, it was the first practice of training camp. He can't be that competitive. He can't be that, um, you know, uh, guarded of, of, his, of, his, of his offense. So, you know, I, I, I let it go. I don't say anything, but – the next day, I, I want to say it was either Les Snead, their general manager, or somebody in the front office, somebody that I knew. And, and I was like, man, you know, your coach, he really seemed to be a little bit upset yesterday after practice. And I'm kind of thinking that he was mad because the offense had a bad day against the defense. Like, it was the first practice. Uh, I mean, it was just, you know, a 20-play um, scrimmage, basically, or, or you know, a rep, a period against against the first-team defense. And I, I don't know. I kind of think that he was really mad that the defense got the best of the offense. And the guy starts laughing, and he said, no, that's exactly what happened. And so it carried over into the locker room. After he talked to us, he goes, John McVeigh goes to the locker room, and he's seething. He's seething over uh, a 20-play period where his offense, you know, got knocked around a little bit by – Quote, his defense. And so um, so who I'm talking to says, you know, we had to pull him aside and say, Sean, yeah, I know. You, the offense struggled. That's, you know, you will, you'll get that fixed away. But don't forget that that defense is also – you're no longer just an offensive coordinator. You're the head coach. That defense is your defense. So feel pretty good about your defense – playing really well and stopping your offense. It's all together. We need both sides of the ball. You know, and, and obviously Sean McVay understands that and knows that and appreciates that. But at the same time, offense was his thing and is his thing, and he got so darn competitive that he wasn't winning that, that – his, that his side of the ball wasn't winning that battle that he's all pissed off. And he had to be reminded, you coach both sides. You're the, you're the head coach, you know, so – when you look at like, uh, and then you know, obviously now you put that in perspective. He's like, "Yeah, that's right, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah." That's that's. Thank you for reminding me that. Uh, I did talk to Sean McVay about it. Like, were you really like that upset? And he's like, "Man, I was pissed." <laughs> you know, it's like, yes, I was. I'm I'm getting you know fired up, man. I'm competitive. So when Derek Carr gives it up to the Raiders' defense because they're guarding up and defending and and Ding up what his offense is trying to do uh, while he's 
happy for the defense. Don't think for a second that he's not like, you know, like, like gritting his teeth uh, because the play didn't work out. So, you know, there's that fine line. But at the same time, I think if you're Derek Carr and understanding what the real issue has been around here, especially last year with, the, with how bad that defense was, in the back of your mind, you're going, okay, that, you know, we got to scheme it up a little bit better or somebody's got to run about better, better, whatever the case might be. But on the other hand, that was pretty impressive that, you know, uh, that, that our defense just deed us up to that extent. And not just once. It was uh, a, a good five or six reps that I remember watching where that exact thing happened. Oh, by the way, uh, and it goes back to, you know, when we were talking about Brian Edwards earlier with Jesse Merrick. I wrote a story about Brian Edwards. You could go um, onto the, uh, our website, uh, Raider Nation, or excuse me, VegasNation.com or download the app Vegas Nation and check out my work at the Las Vegas Review Journal. I do cover the Raiders for the Las Vegas Review Journal. And talking about Brian Edwards and talking about Henry Ruggs, uh, those guys are making some plays, but it's not like they're just sprinting free wide open down the field like far too often happened against the Raiders defense last year. No, we're talking about like contested plays where Trayvon Mullen is where he needs to be uh, and, and Casey Hayward is where he needs to be. But Henry Ruggs just goes up and get it. Brian Edwards just goes up and gets it. That's not you. You tip your cap to the defense. Hey, sometimes you could do everything that you can do, but the other guy just goes up and makes a play. And so, good news for the defense being where it needs to be in those situations. Even better news that Brian Edwards says, "Yeah, I'm still going to go get that ball." Or Henry Rugg says, "Yeah, I'm coming down with this ball. I'm going to go make that play, out jump whoever I need to out jump, and come down with it." So. Uh, positive for both sides. Somebody's got to win. In those cases, it was the it was the offense. Uh, but I've seen some reps now where that defense is more than holding uh, its own. I'm sure it drives John Gruden crazy a little bit. But in the back of his head, he's like, yeah, kind of happy the defense is starting to hold up its end of the bargain. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. What is good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Thursday. The Raiders had a day off today. A good day to have a day off considering how hot it was uh, today, but uh, also a well-deserved uh, day off. Um, you know, two straight days uh, in pads. Uh, I think that um, you know they've earned it. They've been working hard. It's an early get-up. Um, you know, we're out there at seven thirty in the morning. I know just in, for my own self. Um, you know, getting up that early in the morning and and uh, being bright and alert and uh, paying attention to what we need to pay attention to out in that hot sun. Uh, shout out, by the way, uh, to whoever figured out uh, to put a beautiful weight room right next to the practice field and open it up and have it like, it feels like a refrigerator, maybe even a freezer in that weight room. Okay, so when we get full disclosure, when we, the media uh, and other staffers and whatnot, um, get a little bit too hot and there's points during practice where I'm not going to say it's unbearable, but oh my goodness, it's hot. Uh, and you need a little bit of a break. So we all kind of mosey on down to 
uh, that area by the weight room, which is open to the field. Guys come in, guys come out. Uh, and you stand there, and it just is a game changer. It's so cold in there, so beautifully cold, I should say, uh, that it feels so good. I have to say this, though. Um, you know, and I was talking to, uh, interestingly enough, uh, David Carr, Derek, Derek Carr's uh, older brother. Uh, the NFL Network was in town uh, earlier. I think it was this week, or it might have been last week. Uh, I'm, I'm losing track of time right now. And it wasn't one of those unbearable uh, mornings here in Las Vegas. Uh, it, was, it was probably about 99, 101 or so, which, believe it or not, uh, once you experience 116, 114, you know, 115, 101 feels pretty darn good. Uh, it's not ideal, but it's a lot better than that. So anyway, we're, you know, I was talking to him, and David Carr – uh, uh, grew up, I believe, but for sure played high school football uh, in Bakersfield. Okay, that's where the cars are from, Central California. Or not quite Central. Yeah, I guess it would be considered Central California. Anyway, it gets hot. It's in the, it's it's east of Los Angeles, and it's in a very dry, hot uh, area, uh, typically, especially during the summers. So uh, we're talking, and it's hot. You know, it's not like unbearable hot that Las Vegas can sometimes get, but it's pretty darn hot. So I said, and David Carr, if you don't remember, he went to Fresno State, which it could get hot uh, in that area of California as well. Uh, but then he also went and played for the Houston Texans. And Texas heat is different than Las Vegas heat. It's different than California heat. Texas heat is, is a whole other kind of a ballgame. Now, it doesn't necessarily get to 116 like it does in Las Vegas, but... Uh, when it gets up into the 90s with that humidity, it's pretty darn hot. So uh, I said, all right, man, Bakersfield, Las Vegas, or Houston heat? And he didn't even bat an eye. He went, Houston heat is is way worse uh, than Las Vegas heat, which he kind of compared to the Bakersfield uh, heat. Now, it's not the same. It is hotter here in Las Vegas because uh, I think it gets hotter uh, that day might have been a Bakersfield-type heat, but there are days that Las Vegas heat is just Las Vegas, Phoenix kind of desert heat, right? But <clears throat> there's a difference, and uh, it, it's, it's 116 is 116, 115 is 115, and it, it just is. But it's just, it's true what they say, it's a different kind of heat. You go to, down to Alabama, you go down to Florida... Uh, and even Richie Incognito, we were talking to Richie Incognito uh, about this. He played in Miami uh, for the Miami Dolphins. And we were asking him the last time we talked to him, you know, about, you know, the, the, this heat. Now, it is 730 in the morning, so that changes it a little bit. It gets hotter as the day goes on. So they're trying to, you know, manage it and work around it and work during times in the summer where it's a few degrees cooler, <laughs> which... I kind of laugh when I say that because it's just super, super hot. Anyway, so Richie was talking about, man, it gets hot out there. There's no question about it. But Richie, being from Phoenix, says, I, I'm, you know, I, I could deal with it. I'm used to it. And he told us, when I was in Miami with the Miami Dolphins, that's totally different. And that's, it's like disgusting, uh, depressing kind of heat with that humidity. And I can kind of vouch for that. Now, having been here in Las Vegas and you deal with it, you suck it up, it's going to be hot for 90 days. That's just the fact of the matter. And sometimes it's going to be extra hot, extra crispy, right? Um, but 
few years ago, uh, had to go to um, Baltimore. Uh, it was a it was a, a joint practice Rams against the Baltimore Ravens, and so it was during preseason, and the Rams were going to play them on a I think it was a thir- no it, was, it might have been a Saturday night, uh, but they practiced against them uh, that Tuesday and that Thursday in Owings Mill, Maryland, which is where the uh, Baltimore Ravens practice facility is. Great facility, by the way. But it's maybe first week of August, no, no, second week of August, middle August, and it is just unbearable. The humidity was through the roof. Like you would walk out of your car, and it felt like you'd already taken, you like you were taking a shower, un, except it wasn't a nice cool shower. Uh, it was just sweat, a sweat shower. Like you, if you didn't have a bottle of cold water. At your disposal at all times, you were playing with fire. Like it was disgusting kind of heat. And it was probably about, I'd say, 95 on the thermometer, right? It's a thermometer, right? Yeah, 95 on the thermometer. But because of the humidity, who knows what it was? It was just that thick, heavy, hot, just unbearable, like you're, you felt it. You, you had to like, when you walked, it felt like it was like it was kind of holding you back, like you were walking through it. You felt like you were walking through something. That's how heavy and hot and disgusting it was. And I remember talking to some Rams players, and they're like, "Dude, I grew up in Houston. I grew up uh, in Mississippi. I grew up in you know Tallahassee, Florida, and living in California now. You get used to not having to deal with this. This sucks right here." And so it was like a wake-up call. But, you know, um, you know, maybe there's something to it. When you start thinking about the SEC, you know, and where they practice uh, and how good they are, maybe it toughens you up a little bit. So maybe this heat uh, here in Las Vegas, and, and they don't run away from it. They, they, get, they get a head start on it, I'll tell you that, by practicing at 730 in the morning, which has got its own set of problems. Now, during the regular season, they're not going to do that. They're going to practice around 1030 in the morning. Typically, that's what the Raiders do. Uh, they'll start off in their indoor facility, get a stretch in, get a little, um, you know, uh, do a little work in the indoor facility. Then they'll go out uh, to the field at 10 o'clock. Uh, but regular season is what, September 13th? It's starting to cool off just a little bit. You're probably not going to get the crazy, crazy kind of heat uh, that you get this time of year, uh, July, August. Uh, so 10 o'clock. You would imagine 10 o'clock in September, and if I remember correctly, going back to last year, this was kind of the case. 10 o'clock in September in Las Vegas was kind of rel- um, you know reminiscent of what 7.30 in the morning in Las Vegas is. So uh, it's not ideal having to practice at 7.30 in the morning. John Gruden has talked about it. Um, you know, you're asking your guys to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, maybe even 4.30 in the morning. It's not like you just show up and start practicing. You know, you come in, you probably have a little bit of breakfast. Uh, I would imagine there's some positional meetings that are going on before they actually hit the field. Uh, so it makes for a really long day. I'm here right now. Uh, when I came into the uh, studio around 3.30, uh, the, the parking lot was packed, so they're still here. I'm sure they're going to have some meetings tonight. You have dinner. you know. So it makes for a really long day when that start point is as early as it is. And so, um, But you got to deal with it. You have to deal with it, and and the Raiders are, and I give them a lot of credit because the intensity that they're working with. Now, there's been some – what day was it? Uh, it was the day after the first off day. So that would probably be 
Monday. You can you can sense on Monday um, that you know guys were dragging a little bit after the, coming back from the day off. That's pretty typical. And no matter what level you're talking about, that's kind of when you know sometimes the coaches have to blow the horn a little bit harder <laughs> or a little bit louder to to get them woke up. And you have to remind yourself it is 7:30 in the morning. So, uh, but typically, and I would say you know 99.9 percent of the time. The Raiders have hit the ground running on uh, at practice at 7.30 in the morning, and they look like any other team practicing at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, noon, where, you know, whatever practice time um, your coach sets it at. Uh, they've looked like they, they're, they're wide awake uh, and, and they're ready to go. And I, I give them a lot of credit because it's not the easiest thing uh, to do. Now, in the future, I do wonder um, if John Gruden would prefer uh, maybe going back to California for training camp so that you don't have to do the 7.30 uh, in the morning uh, practices. He talked about uh, that, you know, on sa- he talked about the start time on, on I think it was Saturday when we talked to him, but he's like, you know, I think it's kind of unprecedented um, working this early in the morning. It, it probably is for the NFL. Now, if you talk to UNLV, they're doing it. Uh, if you talk to the high school programs, I know my son plays high school football here in the area. Uh, and their summer workouts have been early in the morning. Now, that's going to change because school starts, and so they're not going to be able to practice in the morning. He's going to school in the morning, so they're going to have to start um, transitioning, and they, they already have for the last two days to like a 2.30, 3.30 uh, start. So, And I'm like, oh, my God, better you than me. You know, I, I did my time. I did my time <laughs> in high school football. I know what that's all about. Uh, but it was in Ventura, California, where it was nice and cool. It's a whole different deal here in Las Vegas. By the way, here's John Gruden talking about uh, starting practices at 7.30 in the morning. I don't think people realize practicing at 7.30 a.m. is, I think, unprecedented, at least in my career as a coach. And to have uh, everybody come out uh, with that type of concentration and energy and effort was impressive. Hot out there, you know, kicking off at 7.30. Guys got to get up at 5 a.m. every day. So I, these guys must like football. That's promising. That's John Gruden talking about the uh, god-awful <laughs> practice time uh, of 7.30. I don't know what's – I've talked to some players like, would you rather get it out of the way in the morning or have to think about it um, all day and for it to be at uh, like 3 o'clock? That's what, what time the Rams would practice was, was 3 o'clock. And uh, you get mixed messages. Some guys just want to get it out of the way. Now, if you've played high school football um, – and, and, and I did. And typically, wherever you went to high school, it was always after school. And I, I, I'll say this. I always, I always tell people this. I don't remember to this day any class that I had the, day, the, 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 the period before football started. And for us uh, at Ventura High School, football practice was sixth period. Um, you know, so, so fifth period – and, and practice would typically start around, you know, 2.30, I think it was. And so whatever, whatever I did fifth period, I don't know, I'd have to go back and look at my grades because I would imagine they weren't the best in, in fall semester uh, or that, that, that particular semester, you know, because by fifth grade, I'm just thinking about football practice. Like, I'm, that's where my head was. Sorry to whatever teacher I had for – for, you know, zoning out on you. But I was thinking about football practice. And a lot of times I was thinking about, man, I got to get on, get the pads on. Yeah, you were fired up, but you're also, after a while, and my, oh my gosh, my junior year, we went 0 and 10. The year before, we won a championship. Uh, but we had a coaching change. Uh, we had a coach that 
you know, uh, that, that some people just didn't like. Um, that's a whole other story. We had a bunch of seniors that quit. And so it was, it was all of us, basically, except for maybe six or seven other players uh, that were seniors. So all of our, all of the juniors who the, our sophomore year we won a championship went nine and one that year. Um, it's us. We're too young. The coaching wasn't good. And so by the middle of the year, after we're getting our doors blown off, you know, 35 to nothing, you know, 46 to seven uh, in games against some really good teams, you're, you start dragging after a while. And so that made it even worse because you're like, oh, my, I don't want to get out there because we're only going to get screamed and yell out. Our coach is pissed off at us because uh, we're not good right now. We're going to be good. And we were. We made the playoffs the, the following year. I stopped playing. Uh, to go focus on my journalism career, uh, but all my friends went and made the playoffs the very next year as seniors. But yeah, man. So I would imagine getting it done, even though it, it's it's brutal getting up that early in the morning. Uh, I would imagine getting it out of the way and then going to meetings and everything else like that is probably the way to go. Uh, but maybe not 7:30, maybe 10 o'clock. That's why John Gruden probably does it. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Ibarra. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. How cool is it uh, to say that we've got football today, right now, like right now, football. And from this point on, hopefully, I mean, you know, I guess, you know, let's just hope uh, that COVID-19 just stays exactly, or not where it's at, continues to get suppressed. suppressed. But all things go well. Uh, We're going to have football from now until, what, February 13th-ish? I think that's when the Super Bowl is being played in Los Angeles this year, or next year, but for this season. At SoFi Stadium. It's crazy to say that because, man, what a topsy-turvy roller coaster ride all of that was just to get SoFi Stadium built, just to get the Rams um, situation sorted out, the Raiders situation in Las Vegas. And you can rest assured uh, the Super Bowl will be coming to Las Vegas at, at some point pretty soon. Um, and to see them, it, it was it was a thought. It was a plan. It was both of those stadiums. It was, you know, uh, somebody's imagination, you know, and then it had to go through all in California, getting something built in California. <laughs> Good luck with that. Uh, tip of the cap uh, to, uh, to the Rams, Kevin Demoff, um, uh, Stan Kroenke, the owner, uh, for, for figuring all that out and navigating through all of the political and, you know, all the red tape of California. Uh, to get something so spectacular built, and they're continuing to build. It's a 300-acre, um, just great project, beautiful project. Um, can't wait to go see it in a couple of weeks uh, again, and this time with the full house when the Raiders uh, head out to Los Angeles. And then again, I think it's in October, I want to say, uh, when the when the Raiders go to play the Chargers on a Monday night. Looking forward to that. Uh, and then obviously, you know, here in Las Vegas and, and just the uh, tremendous job that the Raiders did uh, to get their stadium built and then they get the facility here in Henderson built. It's just a uh, quite an achievement. Uh, but 
talking about the Super Bowl being in Los Angeles, I mean, time truly, truly flies. Uh, that's going to be the year 2022. Uh, we've been talking about all this. I've been writing about it. I've been covering it since about, you know, when it comes to SoFi Stadium, when it comes to Allegiant Stadium, at least in SoFi Stadium's case, uh, that was toward the end of 2014 and certainly all throughout two, 2015. Uh, and then for the Raiders, uh, shortly into 2016 was when uh, the Las Vegas vibe uh, started becoming real. And, uh, you know, you started hearing the talk. I remember getting a call. And it was, it was shortly after uh, the Raiders were, were the third team in a three-team race for Los Angeles. And to say they were crushed uh, is an understatement. And I get a call. And uh, it was one of those, are you sitting down? kind of calls, and, uh, well, yeah, why, I mean, no, <laughs> actually, I was going to pick up my kids at school, uh, it was right down the street, so I would walk to go pick up my kids, and I'm like, should I, you know, and the voice on the other end was like, uh, just giving you a heads up, uh, but we're turning our attention to Las Vegas, uh, the goal is to be the Las Vegas Raiders, and I just remember thinking in my head, obviously, and it, I, I, I re, re, you know, uh, the, the, what he said, what that person said, echoed in my in my uh, head, you know, and, and in my ears, basically. And it was like the Las Vegas Raiders, and I just thought to myself, who hasn't that? Like, why hasn't that ever been thought before? Like, that makes perfect sense. The Las Vegas Raiders. It rolls off the tongue. The Las Vegas Raiders. It made all the sense in the world. This is where the Raiders belong. And uh, I was like, oh wow, okay. Um, and then from that point on, covering that story, and a lot of people didn't think it was going to happen. A lot of people sh- tried to shoot holes through it, and uh, and I just kept following the story and following the people that were behind it and the uh, l- politicians here in Las Vegas and the business people here in Las Vegas and, you know, covering it and covering it and covering it. And it never on – based on my reporting, in spite of what everybody might have – some people, I should say – might have been saying and how they uh, tried to, uh, you know, poo-poo it or, you know, say it'll never happen, it can never happen. There was never a point at any point along the way where, you know, I felt anyway, like any anything other than this is headed in the right direction. This is a really good chance of happening. This should happen. Even when there was a little bit of a stumble and uh, some financing, uh, a, a big part of the financing fell off. Uh, not to get into all those details again, uh, and everyone was like, "Well, it's done. How could this?" The typical writers, you know, they 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 got it to this point, and uh, at the last second, it's going to fall apart. And I remember talking to somebody in the NFL who knows about all this stuff, and he's laughing, you know, because I'm like, "Is this a serious? You know, are, where are they going to be able to find, you know, the the you know financing and whatnot?" And he's and and you know, it was like, "Look at where this deal is right now, and look at what." basically uh, needs to happen uh, and how good this deal is, is is looking, you don't think that there's a number of institutions, banking institutions, that want a part of this? Like, don't kid yourself. They're going to be able to make a great deal because there's going to be a competitive uh, aspect uh, to that. And sure enough, not very long afterwards, uh, you know, and I, so I, I reported that, like, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's a blow, but nobody's losing any confidence here. If anything, uh, there's, there's great confidence uh, that it's staying right on track. 
they'll be able to deal with that. And sure enough, you know, not very long afterwards, that came to fruition. And here we are, you know, and there's that building. It's now two years old. Uh, so fired up that we're going to be able to see fans at, at Allegiant Stadium. It was depressing last year. Uh, yes, I'm doing you know a job that I love covering the NFL and covering professional football and the Raiders in Las Vegas, but it was just every you know a moment that you're in that press box watching some great games. There were some good games at Allegiant Stadium last year, uh, but all you can really think about too was man, there's a huge part of the deal that's completely not here. The fans and the atmosphere that the fans create and the energy that they provide and the vibe um, that, that they bring, it was just non-existent. I told Derek Carr, uh, I can't remember when we were talking, but I, I told Derek Carr, you know, all this talk, like I could hear you out on the field. Like I know now uh, how much you manage a game uh, at the line of scrimmage. It's not just trying to read your lips on TV or or or, you know, in the stadium where I can't hear anything that anybody's saying down there. Like, I could hear what you were doing at the line of scrimmage, so I'm, I'm a believer in that regard. Like, you're pretty good at that part of it. And he's like, just start laughing. But it's like, yeah, you know, uh, that's what we do uh, down there. That's what it sounds like down there, even though sometimes they can't hear themselves. you got to go to silent count, all that. But it just was because fans weren't there, which was not cool. I'm glad to be getting fans back. I can't wait to see Allegiant Stadium. And really, it's just right around the corner, August 14th. In case you didn't know, the Raiders are hosting the Seattle Seahawks over at Allegiant Stadium. That's not this Saturday, but the following Saturday. Crazy, 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 but I love it. I want to say thanks to Jesse Merrick for joining us in the huddle. Always great to get his insight about the Raiders. I want to say thanks to DeMond Cotton uh, for all he does out at home base. I want to say thanks to everybody here at the uh, Raiders practice facility. I'll be back out here tomorrow at 7.30. Then I'll be back at Lotus uh, Studio uh, tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m., closing the week out on a high note. We will talk to you then. Thanks to Embajador Tequila. You know uh, how I feel about you guys over there. Uh, you're in the huddle with Vidi Monsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. <laughs>